Okay, Perikei of Basilagani. We explained. We explained that. Our job here in this world is to make a dir betachtenim. To make a dir betachtenim means to sit here in this world and eat cheese danishes and. Is it a cheese danish? Oh. And eat brownies with sprinkles and see Abishta. Not to see. The Gashmias, but to see Abishter. That's what it means to turn the world into a garden. To turn the world into a garden means that the concealment of the world should not present itself to me as a concealment, but I should see the Abishter through it. I should see the puppeteer through the puppet. And that's the whole objective of this world. Not that there shouldn't be a puppet show. If there's no puppet show, it's a boring world. We want the puppet show, but we want to be able to recognize, to appreciate the puppeteer inside of the puppet. That's what our point is. And the way that we do it is through the Veda of Karbanis, of Eskafi and Eskafcha. But there's a problem. Because the puppeteer covers the puppet. It conceals the puppet. And that's what's known as shtus. Why is it foolishness? Because anybody who really believes that the puppet is self-animated is foolish. Logically, anyone who stops and thinks knows that the puppet... comes the next <clears throat> Logically, anybody who stops and thinks knows that the puppet cannot be self-animated. No, no puppet is able to exist on its own. You could have the greatest <coughs> ventriloquist, but as great of a ventriloquist as he is, he's not making the puppet speak. He's just speaking for the puppet. So the Abishter is a master ventriloquist, but that doesn't mean that the puppet is speaking. It's foolish to believe something like that. It's childish. It's immature. But that's the shtus of the world. The shtus of the world convinces us that that's the reality. The shtus of the world convinces us that the world is self-animated. However, it only convinces us up to a point. It convinces us that the world is self-animated on an external level, on a level where it's relevant to the details of the what I do and what I don't do, that I can still do what we call the Navera, a little Avera, and still maintain my Jewish identity. But when it comes to the essence of my connection, that essence is not able to be covered over even by this shtus. The essential identity of Hashem is something we all recognize. Even if, like sometimes I've gone on Mitzayim, 
especially to older people, Russians, Holocaust survivors. And they tell me, I'm angry at Hashem, so I don't believe in Him. They are, they're angry. They've gone through challenges, difficulties that we can't imagine. We can't begin to fathom what they had to experience. They're angry. But they're angry at Hashem and therefore they don't believe in Him. In other words, they know that Hashem is there. And they know that they have an essential relationship with Him. But in their day-to-day lives, they're choosing to put on a beze panim, an angry face, because of what they've gone through. But when it comes to an essential moment, then even they cry out, Hashem Elikeinu Hashem Echad. And this is where we get now finally to this fifth chapter, to this conclusion of this section of Basiligani. In the fifth chapter we say that just like there is a swerving below logic by believing that the world is self-animated, we also can go above logic. And going above logic ultimately is the way that we're going to combat the shtus, the l'umasa. Because ultimately when you're faced with a delicious Danish and the Danish is whispering to you, eat me, and you're trying to logically convince your nefesh abahamis, you know that that Danish is not going to do you so well. It's just going to give you a stomachache. It's not really going to... V'chulu v'chulu. You're going to give your, 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 your nefesh abahamis a whole pep talk about why not to eat the Danish. Good job. About why not to eat the Danish. Is your nefesh abahamis really going to listen? Your Nefesh Bamas isn't interested in logical conversations. Your Nefesh Bamas is a Be'ema. If there's logic for your Nefesh Bamas, the logic is just the Danishes are all the way over there and I'm here. How do I get there? That's where the Nefesh Bamas uses logic. But not. Yes to eat, not to eat. It's not interested in dissertations. The Nefesh Bahamas has ADD. As soon as you start talking something sensible, it immediately tunes out. The way to combat the Ruach Shtus of the Nefesh Bahamas is with Shtus. But a Shtus which is supra-logical. A Shtus which is greater than logic. A Shtus which is going beyond Logic. Ashtus, which is saying, it doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. And I'll tell you the story of Avram Avinu, which we've learned times in the past. When Avram Avinu was going to fulfill the Abishter's instruction of bringing his son Yitzchak to the Akedah, the Satan came to Avram. And the Satan told Avram Avinu, old man, what are you doing? Have you lost your mind? What are you doing? You're going to kill your son. Avram Avinu said, leave me alone. 
So the Satan said, you waited for him for a hundred years. You waited to have a child. And finally, after a hundred years, you had a child and now you're going to go kill him. And Avraham Avinu said, leave me alone. So the Satan started speaking to him from a, a, a different point of view. And he starts saying to him, what's going to happen in the world tomorrow? When they publicize that Avram Avinu, the great tzaddik, who is preaching to the whole world that there's one God and a God who doesn't want us to sacrifice our children to him. And he doesn't want us to do all of these pagan behaviors which the whole world was involved in. And on CNN headlines it's going to say, Avram Avinu the hypocrite. The CNN will jump on it like... Fake news. Exactly. Avram Avinu the hypocrite. Look, he went and said... Avram Avinu said, leave me alone. So the Satan said, your wife, Sarah. The Satan could play every face you want. A holy face, a pious face, a logical face, a compassionate face. The Satan says, your wife, Sarah, your poor wife, she waited for a child for all this time. What is the news going to do to her? When she hears that you killed your son, it's going to kill her. Yes, it's going to kill her. How could you do this to your wife, your dear beloved wife? <laughs> and the Vramavina said, Leave me alone. Or, in the words of the Madrash, Afal Pike, nevertheless. Notice that throughout then the Satan went and tried to speak to Yitzchak and said, Yitzchak, do you know what your father is planning on doing to you? And the Madrash continues. But notice that throughout this entire conversation, every single argument, that the Satan is taking with Avram Avinu. What's Avram Avinu's singular answer? Leave me alone. alone. This is what I'm doing. Why didn't... Avram Avinu was a brilliant man. At the age of three, according to many sources, at the age of three, he already was able to philosophically figure out that there is only one Hashem and that everything else that's going on in the world, the whole entire world, is ridiculous, is absurd. A brilliant philosopher like this certainly could have engaged in a very moving debate with the Satan, with the Yetzirah, and explained to him why everything that he's doing is wrong, why everything that he's saying is off. Why he's making a mistake and what Avram Avinu is doing is right. Why did he not engage in a debate with the Yetzirah, with the Satan? The answer is because there are certain times where you're not supposed to engage in logical debate. There are certain times where you need to employ Shtus de Ketusha. What is Shtus de Ketusha? Shtus de Ketusha says, I don't care if what I'm doing seems totally ridiculous, totally absurd. If you think that I'm crazy and that I fell off the moon, that here I am waving a chicken over my head, or fasting for an entire day and wearing only slippers, or whatever else I'm going to do, shaking a little vanessig or eating matzah or wearing tefillin, everything else that I do, I don't care if you think it makes sense or it doesn't make sense, afal pikein. This is what I'm going to do. 
Why am I going to do it? I'm going to do it because I'm a Jew. Because I'm a Jew and that's what a Jew does. Imagine, Chaim, the Yetzirah comes to you. Imagine such a thing would happen. You're lying in bed, 7.15, and the Yetzirah comes to you and tells you, don't wake up. Don't wake up. Yeah? It's, I know it's probably never happened to you, but imagine something like that. Now, 7.15, the Yetzirah comes to you and says, don't wake up, go back to sleep. And you start engaging in a debate with the Yetzirah and explaining to the Yetzirah why you should wake up. You know what's going to happen? At 8.30, you're still going to be in bed. You're going to be debating. <laughs> <laughs> you're still going to be busy with your debate, or you will have lost your debate by then. What is Shtus de Kedusha? Shtus de is jump out of bed. And not just jump out of bed, jump out of bed with such a geschmack, with such an excitement, that you're singing, and your, your, your um, uh, roommate looks at you and says, what happened to him this morning? That's Shtus de Kedusha. That's what Shtus Tiktush is about. Let's learn inside about Shtus Tiktush. Vihinei, the Maimer says, Kishem sheyesh hatoya lemata min adas, just like there is hatoya swerving below logic, shehu nikra b'shem Shtus Tiklipa, that's called the foolishness of Klipa. Hinei, kembeikein, similarly, yesh noi hatoya lemaila min adas, there's also swerving above logic, and that's what's called the foolishness of holiness, the foolishness of Kedusha. And the idea is, so in order to demonstrate this, the Mimer is going to quote a fascinating Gemara. It's the beginning of a piece of Gemara that I quoted for you the other day of the sages, Rabbi Acha, dancing with the Kala on his shoulders. It's a Gemara speaking about dancing in front of Kalas. It quotes over there, Machlekes between Beishame and Beisilo. And over there it says that Amru Alav Al Rabbi Yehuda Bariloi. They said about the great sage Rabbi Yehuda Bariloi, Shayanaitel Bad Shalhadas, that he would take a bad, a shoot of a hadas, of a of a myrtle branch, Umiraki Lifne Akala, and he would use it to dance in front of the Kala. And he would say, Kala noe vachasuda. This is a beautiful Kala and charming, a beautiful and charming bride. Let's read this in the inside. And the Gemara then continues and gives another example that Reb Shmuel Barab Yitzchak Mirakid at last. Reb Shmuel Barab Yitzchak would dance with three. He would dance with three badim shalhadas, three myrtle branches. And Rashi explains, that's in the parentheses, Rashi explains that he would have shalish badin, he would have three branches, and what would he do with three branches? He would juggle. Zayrik achas, he would throw one up into the air, Umikabel achas and receive the other one. That's what Rashi explains. He would juggle them. So could you imagine? We're speaking about Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzchak, who was one of the greatest sages of the time. And here he goes, and he starts juggling by a chasana. Did you ever see Rashi Yeshivas dancing by the chasanas? Unfortunately not. 
<laughs> they have these long white beards, and they're walking slowly, and they're clapping like this. Right? Because anything more than that, it looks a little bit... <coughs> what? Undignified. Thank you. That's a good word. It looks a little bit undignified. And indeed, the Gemara says, Amar Reb Zeira. Reb Zeira complained, and he protested. And he said, He said that the Saba, the elder, the great rabbi, he's embarrassing us. He's embarrassing the Rosh Yeshiva Club. He's making us into clowns. Here he is, a great Rosh Yeshiva, and he's going and juggling like a clown. Rashi, he is embarrassing, he's cheapening the honor of the Torah scholars, and he's behaving in a way of kalus roish, of lightheadedness. The Gemara then continues and says, when Reb Shmuel bar Reb Yitzchak passed away, Afsik Amuda Dinura. There was a pillar of fire that separated Bain Diday between him, Lakule Alma, and the rest of the world. And the Gemara over there continues and says that we have a tradition that a pillar of fire separates only one or two in a generation. That means that Reb Shmuel Barab Yitzchak succeeded in elevating himself to be a singular person in the whole generation, such a singular person, that he had this great pillar of fire which separated between him and everyone else. So the same Reb that protested when he was juggling came to a realization. He said, how did Reb Shmuel Bar become so great? It's by the same behavior that I earlier thought was so embarrassing. And Reb Zeira had the humility to recognize and to admit, Amar Reb Zeira, and the Gemara is going to express it now in three different ways, which is each a play on words. Because remember, he took a shut shalhadas. A shut shalhadas means a hadas shut, a hadas branch, branch, right? So we're going to see this word shut in three different versions, which all basically are acknowledging that it's this behavior which succeeded in separating between him and everyone else. Let's see inside. Amar Reb Zeris, Reb Zeris said, Ahanile shute lesaba. The shut, meaning the hadas branch. Shut shal hadas. That's what helped him. That's what allowed him to become so exalted over everyone else. The Amri there are those that say that he said, the foolishness. This behavior that he behaved in a foolish like manner, it wasn't Shtustaklipa, God forbid, it was Shtustaktusha. And that's the point which we're making over here. His foolishness succeeded. Shahaya misnahig kishaita, Rashi says. He behaved in a shaita-like manner, in a foolish manner. And this is what helped him separate himself from everyone else. 
and there are those that say his shita, his opinion. Remember, the word shita and shtus are actually related to each other because an opinion means a certain leaning, a certain direction, which is what shtus is. Shtus is a leaning away from the middle path. So his opinion, his opinion and his conduct is what helped him. And the, and the Mimer now continues to explain the shtus zu, the shtus, this foolishness is not a foolishness which is below logic, shtus the klipa, a shtus which is covering over godliness. On the contrary, it's the opposite. With what does Avram Avinu have the power to respond to these cutting arguments of the Satan and say, nevertheless, that's what I'm doing. Where does Avram Avinu get that power from? Where do you get the power of Shtus Kedusha from? The power of Shtus Kedusha you get from your Neshama, which is a piece of Eibishter, from your essence. In other words, there's logic. What's logic? Logic tells you, eat this, don't eat that. Go here, don't go there. Do this, don't do that. That's logic. But sometimes logic itself, as we said, is insufficient. It doesn't help us. Logic doesn't make a strong enough argument. And if logic doesn't make a strong enough argument, then you have to tap into your essence. You have to tap into who are you really? You have to tap into, listen, it doesn't really matter. What, what's the expression, my family, right or wrong? It doesn't really matter if this is right or it's wrong. This is who I am. And this is my essence. So you could argue logic with me from today till tomorrow. And even if you're going to win the debate, even if you're going to win the argument, Nevertheless, I'm still going to do what I do. Because this is who I am. That's Shtus Tektusha. In other words, what is Shtus Tektusha? Shtus Tektusha is what Basi Ligani is all about. Shtus Tektusha is about recognizing the Eibishter inside of the world. About recognizing your essential connection to the Eibishter inside of the world. Shtus Tektusha is about knowing who you are and knowing that I'm a Yid and I'm Yisrael Chai and the whole entire world could be making arguments from today till tomorrow why I'm wrong and why I shouldn't and why this and why that and it doesn't matter because I'm a Yid and I'm a Yid no matter what. And this, the Maimir says, Shahu, this Shtustakdusha is Madrega Gvaya Vinifla, is a great and wondrous level. Very, very much. It's a great and wondrous level. It's an amazing level that I'm able to tap into. Now the Maimir is going to explain why this Shtus was expressed specifically by a Chasana. And the answer is. Because a chasana is basically a ridiculous thing. It's crazy. 
What are you doing? Why are you getting married? Why are you limiting yourself? Why are you impeding yourself? And the reason is because it's a power which is higher than yourself that you're connecting to. And you appreciate that. That's the reason why a person gets married. This is practically, and this is also um, in holiness, in Kedusha, as I'm going to explain. Practically, there's a certain idea that I don't want to be just me. I want to be more than me. And when I get married, I'm not just adding another person. I'm becoming much more than either one of us are individually. And this is spiritually as well. The chasen and kala stand under a chuppah. The chuppah represents a makif. We learned about it in the Lechadaydi Maimer, a makif harachik, a distant makif. The chuppah represents a makif, a surrounding level which surpasses the individuality of either one of them. And it envelops them. And it creates a unit between two opposite extremes. Mars and Venus. Chachma and Malchus. It, cre- it, 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 it brings the two together in a way that both of them are becoming part of something which is higher than either of them individually and then both of them individually combined. A power of godliness of Ein Saif. Because after all, what happens when Achasan and Kala get together? Then they're able to together build a Dar Yesherim Yeveirach. Bebanim Ubnei Banim Eiskim Batero Bemitzvahs. They're able to have children and grandchildren and continue. A man by himself, he has, we said the other day, everybody, everybody's life has a limit. And if a person lives alone, <coughs> then he could amass a tremendous amount of money. He could eat a tremendous amount of brownies over the course of his lifetime. He could eat the most brownies that any human being ever ate before. But still, at some t- point, those brownies are going to disintegrate and be eaten by the worms. At some point, every human being reaches his limits. How can a person reach beyond his limits? How can he reach that amuda de nura, that pillar of fire that's higher? That he reaches through chasma, through marriage. That marriage gives him the power of Ein Saif, of infinity. Until you get married, it's okay to experience that with Avas Yisrael. Not the power of infinity of children, but the power of infinity of being part of something which is larger than yourself. Of loving another person unconditionally. 
And if you love another person unconditionally, then why would you love another person unconditionally? Because Tanya explains that you're not limited to your physical, corporeal existence, that you're part of something which is much greater than yourself. And that's how it's possible to love another person unconditionally. So that love is a love which brings you higher than yourself. And then when you get married, this is expressed in the union between a man and a woman. And this is something which the Gemara and Saita explains, the Maimah brings down over here. The Ish V'isha, a man and a woman. Harei Zachu, when they merit. Harei Shechina Shruya B'neim. The Shechina rests between them. That means that a husband and wife that are combining together properly are bringing the divine presence into the world. And remember, what's our entire purpose of being here? To make to make a dwelling place for Hashem here in this world. One of the great teachers the great Paiskim from the last generation of Shleim Zalman Arbach, when he would come home just before he entered into his house, he would smooth his beard and straighten his jacket. And the students asked him, they said, most people, when they get home, they're relaxing, they're taking off their jacket, they're letting themselves just be free it's outside in the world that they want to present themselves just so you know people make sure that they look nice before they go outside but they're inside they don't care how they look how could it be that when you're coming home that's when suddenly you're becoming so particular about how you look <clears throat> so Rabbi Shalom Zalman Arbach said Baruch Hashem I have Shalom Bayis in my home mm. That means that the Shechina is in my home. And before I go and greet the Shechina, I want to make sure that I look proper. But by the way, just as far as that's concerned, by many tzaddikim, as they are passing away, they have this custom to straighten their beard. That's not a custom as a minig. That's what they do just naturally from from themselves. They straighten their beard as they're passing away because they're about to greet the Shechina. But this is what Shlomo Zalman said. He said, I'm about to greet the Shechina. I'm entering into my home and I'm about to greet the Shechina. That's what Chazal teach us. That a man and a woman together have a The word zachu means if they merit. But the, it also comes from the word Shemen Zayis. Zach. What's Shemen Zayis Zach? pure olive oil, if they purify themselves. That means they're not combining in a disgusting way, in an external way, in a corporeal way. They're combining, they're coming together in a holy way. In a holy way, meaning they're coming together through Kiddushim Vinisuin, through marriage. That's first of all how they come together in a holy way. But even inside of the marriage, they're following the halachas of 
intimacy of tznius in the way that this brings them together, that when they're together, they're in a holy way together. So if they purify themselves and they merit, then that's where the Shekhinah is. It's so opposite of the way that anyone outside of Yiddishkeit looks at it. In other religions, a husband and wife being together is considered a disgusting thing. It's considered an impure thing. They're, it's considered a weakness. They're priests. Don't get married. Why not? Because marriage is not for someone who is holy. In Yiddishkeit, the opposite is true. In Yiddishkeit, marriage is an expression of holiness. Marriage is where we bring the Shechina. Where is the Shechina present? Where do we accomplish the Dir Specifically in our bedroom. That's where we bring the Shechina in the highest way. And it's because it's something which is so holy that it's something that can be so perverted and so, so opposite in its manifestation out in the world. <clears throat> What's the difference? The difference is that learning Torah and davening is where you're making a dira for Hashem, but it's not betachtenim. It's not here in this world. In other words, I'm going and connecting to Hashem, so to speak, in His world. The objective over here is not to connect Hashem only in His world. Of course you need to daven. Of course you need to learn. Because that's what elevates you and focuses you and allows you now to come into this world and eat a chocolate danish and bring Hashem into the chocolate danish. The objective is not the davening and the learning. The objective is to eating, the eating the chocolate danish. Or the healthy chocolate anus with spelt flour and out with no sugar or oil. You understand? So ish isha, a man and woman, if they merit, if they purify themselves, if they elevate themselves, the shchina dwells between them. And the Gemara shows this from the language of the word ish and the language of the word isha. The ish who ish yud, v'isha, who ish hey. The word ish is made up of the word ish, fire, and a yud. The word isha is also made up of the same two letters and a hey. A yud and a hey, that's Hashem's name. If a woman and a man are coming together in a way that's zachu, in a way that they're connecting to godliness, in a way that it's bringing the shechina into the world, v'kasher zachu, if they merit, if they purify themselves, then, then when they're combining together, they're bringing the yud and the hay together, that's as holy as you can get. That's the greatest level of godliness that you can imagine. And that's achieved by a man and woman being together. And in the parentheses it says, so what do you have from this? You have an eternal edifice. What's an eternal edifice? I'm a limited human being. I'm a limited creature. How am I supposed to be eternal? 
I'm eternal when I'm connecting to the godliness. When it's ish v'isha zachu, then I'm able to be eternal. I'm able to go out of my limitation and I'm able to be eternal. But as Chazal continue and say, if a man and woman get together without zachu, so then it's fire and fire. Then it's the, the the man is coming from his his what which is it Mars men are from Mars and the woman is coming from her Venus and it's two opposite planets two opposite extremes they can't relate to each other they can't talk to each other they can't get along with each other it's it's impossible it's fire fire and fire but where they are doing what they need to do they're accomplishing the very objective of what the world is here for. If so, says the Maimer, a man and woman coming together in marriage is a very high level. Therefore, who was connecting to this level, who was facilitating a chasen and kala coming together, who was being misameach the chasen v'kala in a way of shtus de in a way of going beyond the world, he merited to great revelations the afsik amuda de nura chulu with a pillar of fire separating, etc. Shazob chinas gilu or begilu mamish. This idea of the pillar of fire is a revelation of light which is revealed. That means, like we spoke about Atzilus earlier in the Mimer, in the first chapter of the Mimer, it's a lot of light and a lot of light in a way that's able to be seen. Now the Mimer is going to explain for us why, why is it necessary to employ Shtus to Kedusha in order to accomplish this mission. Why do I need specifically shtus tekdusha in order to be able to do this? So the Maimur says, The idea is as follows. The infinite light of Hashem. So the way that is described is less There is no thought that can grasp him at all. That means that ultimately... We could sit here and study about godliness all day long, but we can never describe God Himself. Because God Himself, less machshava tvisa beklal. You can't describe Him, you can't understand Him, you cannot grasp Him through the power of thought, through the power of intellect. Intellect has no grasp hold in God Himself. It's not just that you're not smart enough to grasp God. You could be the most brilliant person possible, but Hashem is higher from the framework of grasping, from the framework of understanding. He's not in the framework of understanding. The Chol Hasaga any understanding, even the highest level of understanding, the highest level of perception, it's inside of the framework of understanding. So you can have the most brilliant person around, but he still 
is brilliant within this framework of intellect. Aval, something that is outside of the level of understanding. It's impossible to grasp it through understanding. As it says in the 18th chapter of Tanya, that with regard to Hashem, who is higher than intellect, and there is no thought that can grasp him at all, Everyone is like a fool before him. In other words, <clears throat> a plane flies high in the air, right? Way, 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 way higher than I could even imagine reaching. It's way, way higher than a tall building also. But the tall building is closer to the plane than I am. Right? The ceiling over here is higher than I'm able to reach. If I stand on a chair, I still can't reach it. But if I stand on two chairs piled on top of each other, then I'll be able to touch the ceiling. Because if I lift myself high enough, I'll be able to get there. If I build a tower the tower of Bavel, all the way up into the sky, I'll be able to touch the airplane. Because even though it's higher than me, I'm here and it's there. So we're in the same gather, we're in the same framework. <clears throat> There's an expression in Yiddish when someone is completely clueless that it's like a hin in b'nei adam, like a hen looking at the words b'nei adam. What's a hen looking at the words b'nei adam? B'nei adam are the words that we say when we do kaparis. <laughs> and we have the chicken over our heads. And what's the chicken doing while we're holding it over our heads? We have the machzer in our hands in front of us. The chicken is looking down at the machzer. The same words that we're reading, the chicken is reading. And what does the chicken understand from those words? So that's someone who's completely clueless. So that's that expression, but there's a certain level where we're all that means you take the most brilliant person and the most brilliant person is no closer, no higher, no nearer to understanding Hashem than I am. I, the fool, and the brilliant man are on exactly the same level with regard to understanding godliness because godliness is not higher than me and higher than him. But if you reach high enough, if you build a high enough tower, like the people in Babel thought, you'll be able to reach Hashem. It's not like that. He's higher than the whole gather of Asaga, and therefore, Hakol Kepesim Etzli Yisvar. Everyone is like a fool in front of him. We're the same foolish. I and the cat have the same understanding in Hashem. Even though, when it comes to reading a Maimer, I understand the Maimer better than the cat. When it comes to reading B'nai Adam, I understand the B'nai Adam better than the hen. 
but I and the hen and the cat were all the same when it comes to Hashem. Kedixiv, as expressed by David HaMelech in Tehillim, that David HaMelech said, V'ani bar v'loi eida. I am like a bar, like a a, a wild boar. V'loi eida, I have no knowledge. Behemais hayisi imach. I'm like an animal before you, Hashem. So you might think that this is a very difficult statement that David HaMelech is making. He's saying, Eivishter, you're there and I'm here and I have no perception of you. I have no idea of you. I have nothing to do with you. I have no concept, no, no, no ability to be able to relate to you at all. I have nothing to do with you. But in fact, if we read the continuation of this verse, it says just the opposite. That David HaMelech said, I'm like an animal with you. I'm like a hinim b'nei Adam. But because of that, I'm always with you. Because of that, I'm always with you. Sometimes, if you use the wrong form of grasping, if you're trying to connect with the wrong tools, not only does that not bring you closer, it pushes you farther away. If you're going to try to connect to Hashem through logic, then not only is that logic, as much as you exert yourself and as much as you think, is that logic not going to bring you any closer to Hashem? It'll in fact cause just the opposite. It'll push you farther away from Hashem. It's relinquishing this desire to be able to understand Hashem and recognizing that that I and Hashem have no way of relating on an intellectual level. So that's making myself just into Yadashar Kainehu, the Khamar Avis Ba'alov, like we learned last night from the Navi, that I'm like the Abishter's Behema. I'm like the Abishter's animal. That an animal knows its master. How does an animal know its master? Because it went to college to be able to learn what a master is. It went to college to be able to learn how to be a Shar. No, this is just an instinctive recognition that the shar knows that this is the hand that feeds me and this is the one that guides me and that owns me and that directs me. And this is the way that a yid is supposed to recognize Eibishter, not in a way of logic, in a way of understanding. Of course I'm supposed to use my logic to understand godliness, but when it comes to God, I know that my logic has no place. That as much as I understand the mitzvah, or don't understand the mitzvah, as much as I understand the Pasuk and Chumash, or don't understand that verse, as much as I understand the Mishnah, or don't understand the Mishnah, ultimately, Hashem's knowledge is not just higher than mine and greater than mine, it's completely outside of my framework. And that allows that vanita medimach that I'm always connected to Hashem. In other words, is what connects me to Hashem always. It's what allows me to be <coughs> one with Hashem always.
Kalaimar. In other words, Shabazesh Ani Bar Ubehemis, this that I am a bar, a complete bar and behemis, that allows that Ani Tamadimach that I'm constantly with you, the Bichdei Lahagilat Musayis Barach. If I want to connect to levels of godliness, if I want to connect to Gan Eden, so then if I learn a mimer and understand the mimer well, that will connect me to levels of Gan Eden, because that's what they do in Gan Eden. They learn chassidus all day long. Could you imagine? They also learn teisvus, but they learn teisvus according to chassidus. <laughs> but they learn chassidus all day long, so if I learn a mimer really well, then that will... Give me a feeling of Gan Eden. It's very, very gishmak. What? A bore. That the, 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 the uh, ignoramus, a complete wild. But if I want to connect to Hashem Himself, to the essence of Hashem, I need to go outside of me. I need to be beyond my limitations. This is true, negating my ratzen, to negating my will. In other words, to recognize Hashem as my master. To make my will Hashem's will. Which is completely super logical. I'm not doing it. I'm not eating the matzah because I understand what matzah is about. Of course, I learned the mimer about matzah, and I recognize how matzah is such a high level, and it's rec- it's reflecting this level of godliness and that level of godliness, and so on and so forth. And I appreciate all of the beauty and all of the excitement and all of the bitl of matzah. But ultimately, when I'm eating matzah, why am I eating matzah? I'm eating matzah because Hashem told me to eat matzah. And if I'm eating matzah because Hashem told me to eat matzah, lemay lemitam vedas beyond the logic. Then I'm connecting to the essence of Hashem, not just to the Ganadan levels of Hashem. And that's why this level is called shtus, it's called foolishness. Why is it foolish? It's foolish because it's recognizing that logic means nothing. It's not about what I understand, what I don't understand. It's about connecting to Evishtar. And that level of shtus. That's what allows me to be one with Hashem. Um, we'll conclude the Maimer and the the Perik tomorrow, Bezos Hashem.